0: Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. All right, yeah, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 1. Um, I did uh, bring a few slides to share with you all this morning. Uh, Just to kind of introduce my family, introduce myself, and then also just kind of learn a little bit about my heart. It's going to also come play into the sermon this morning. Um, This is my family. Uh, Hayden's 12, Kellen is 10, and Brooks is 8. That's my wife of 13 years, Kenzie. And then this next slide is just uh, our family. We love baseball. Our kids play a lot of baseball, so that's our youngest. He won a little championship, so we spent a lot of time doing that. Wife and kids uh, weren't feeling too good. There's two that not feeling too good, so they weren't here this morning. Uh, this next slide. This next slide was uh, really dear to my heart. It's in India, a very remote part of India. Um, it's not even actually considered a part of India. Uh, it was at a Christian school, but there was open air to be able to preach, and there was Muslims and, and, and a bunch of different faiths and religions all around. And so, got to do this open air preaching. There was actually five thousand kids, um, and from from you know uh, grade school all the way up to. To seniors here in uh, uh, 12th grade, and uh, we saw 500 salvations that day. Uh, it was just a really neat thing. I can't explain it. Uh, wasn't even supposed to preach. Walked up with the guy that we're working with, and he said, need someone to share a testimony and someone to preach. Now, <laughs> boom. And so uh, that's what we did, and, we, and the Lord used that, used the foolishness, right, of the preaching to see that, and it was really a cool thing. So just a great memory, um, this these men here are probably some of the most dear men to my life. In my life, um, if I could, if my kids in a certain age, if, if, if it was doable and we could do it, um, given their ages, it makes it a little more difficult with the culture. But we'd probably live in India. We'd probably move over there because we love the people, love working with them over there. But this is um, a group of village pastors and a couple guys that I took over there with me, and uh, I usually disciple and train up some guys and take them with me to go to India and we teach doctrine and theology. We spend at least six months uh, maybe eight months of, of, of going through and teaching and them uh, implementing it and teaching it and then when they're really comfortable and then we go over there to do that because uh, over there these men that come to know Christ they come from the Hindu faith or Muslim uh, very devoted people to their religion but once they see the one true God and not just tacking on another God they see the truth of God's word and how God came down the mountain to them and and willingly died for them, and it impacts their life in a way that you just cannot imagine, just like it does ours, but it's very real to them. And these men here, a couple of these men can't go back home. We're there teaching them doctrine and theology, but literally, these men, if they go back home, their wives and their family will be murdered and be killed. They're pastors in a village. Uh, One of these guys here, was been a pastor since he was 13 years old. He was the only believer in his village. And he goes, the Lord gave me the word and I'm to share the word with my village. And so he started sharing and discipling his village and leading them to Christ. Um, there's another man in here that is not there no more. He passed away. Um, he was killed for his faith, um, openly praying in public. There's one man, the man that his face is marked out. as a guy I've spent f- about five years with discipling. He now lives overseas. Uh, he's a full-time missionary raising his kids, a uh, brand-new baby, six-month-old baby, and two-year-old son overseas in a 99% all-Muslim, radical Muslim area. So what's cool and why I share this for you with this, this morning is because we're going to talk about an unashamed faith and testimony. But also I want you to see these men and just see their life and to get a, a glimpse of men that are literally dying on the front lines for their faith. I know we don't experience that over here too much but literally in other parts of the world these men have devoted everything everything in their entire being to the things of Christ and are persecuted daily. So it's, what's cool too is that you know you think about your ministry doesn't go down right when the sun comes up here there the ministry is 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 taking place when the sun goes down here it's already taking place over there and so it's a really cool thing that your ministry never ends. But also one thing that just encouraged me is these guys, when you're meeting with them, they are just devouring the word, so devoted to the word, and you feel like, why am I here teaching you? Like, you should be teaching me, right? And it's this most humbling experience, but these men are just so humble, so devoted to the word, to their families, and to each other, great brothers in Christ and disciples. Um, so, you know, as this morning, as we're here preaching, they were there preaching, And what's cool is I know these guys are praying for us today, praying for America, praying for our churches, as we can pray for them as well. Next slide. And so this was a book that we got, we wrote, and had. uh, This was just the pastors only; for the pastors could come to this conference. And so it was pastors of second uh, generation or third generation and beyond. So that means is they've started a church and planted three other churches. If you haven't planted three other churches, you're not allowed to come to this conference. You don't qualify. Okay? And so the guy that we worked with over there, as of 2022, has seen over a million house churches planted in India. That's just third generation beyond, that's not the other ones. And so he hasn't tracked those. So these were some men in this local area, very remote area. They traveled uh, eight hours, 10, 12 hours by bus, by train, by putting their thumb out, you, you name it, getting there. Um, there was a bombing that took place in this area at this time, and so we had less men come at this one. Uh, there was a bombing between Muslims and Hindu uh, fighting, and so they were scared to come, some of them were scared to come, and some couldn 't because the train uh, was bombed and so uh, this was a book that we gave them, and we, we actually had a, it got converted into their language assamese so uh, that was just a cool thing. They were able to now have the book in their language, and so we were taking a picture with that uh, This is where they sleep, so they travel those. Uh, 8 to 10, 12 hours, right? That's a ridicule. Tra- I mean, it's hard travels. And then they sleep in this um, barn, essentially. And this is right next to a tea field, uh, cobras and mosquitoes and everything. Uh, if you've ever been over there, you know what I'm talking about. This is what they're, they're sleeping in for three to four days as they've traveled, only bringing probably like a Walmart sack style of extra clothes, maybe one pair of clothes, if that. And they sleep here just to hear the Word of God. Uh, this is just some, where the food's prepared. Uh, just gonna give you a little bit of the culture aspect when it's cooked. Uh, this was a cool time. Uh, we got to travel deep into the jungle and, and share the gospel, and uh, those are elephant tracks. Elephants just came through that night, um, and so it was a real deal. You have to worry about elephants over there. Uh, so that was uh, kind of neat. So, because of the elephants in the area that we're in, they live in tree houses. That is not like a hunting stand in Oklahoma of 12 to 15 feet. That is 40 feet in the air, 50 feet. It is way up there. Built really well. We went up there and I was able to share the gospel um, with this lady. And what's interesting is even the things here, right, our walk with Christ and the way people see us, there are things they don't see us do maybe. Um, This lady, we shared the gospel. She wanted to give her life to Christ, but she said, you know what? I've seen some Christians in my village, in the village in the middle of nowhere, that didn't depict the things that you're talking about of God. And because of that, I don't know if I want to give my life to that God. So you see our testimony, uh, our walk really impacts those around us. Uh, Next slide. This is as we traveled up into the mountains of this village. uh, We went to this very, very remote area and got to uh, visit with these people. They love the, the Indian culture. I love their hospitality. They would literally give the, shirts off their back, they may only have enough food for that night or for that for that week, um, you know, that one meal, they may have that, maybe the only meal for that week, and they will literally prepare that for you and give that to you, and uh, just such hospitable, such gracious, such loving people, um, and so they were really warm to wel- welcome us. This little hut thing back here is just a picture of a man. I think I show him a picture of him. He was in one of those pictures before. Um, So his church, he had this church, was growing, and then the government came in, saw that it was growing, uh, and said, hey, uh, I don't think so. If you want this church to keep going, you owe us, uh, I think, 600,000 rupees or something like that. Exchange rate, 77 to 1 there to the U.S. dollar. But he told, uh, to go back, he told them that if you don't, pay, we're going to burn your church down and we're going to kill your entire family. So he fled. They came the next day and literally burnt the building down. He fled with his family and this is what he could build overnight for his family to sleep under. As they were sleeping there, they encountered a jaguar came into camp, elephants came into camp, and his son has um, a disorder where he, epilepsy. Epilepsy. He has epilepsy, however we say that. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm getting it. Uh, but he has it, um, and, uh, and so that's where they had to go live until he could build a more secure um, home. So this is, a, this, this is a group, a village that... So the guy that we work with, there's this really... We work with the lower caste. It's a caste system, and so very poor area. Um, this was an all-Muslim village and we were able to go over into this village because of the relationship he built with them because um, he, all the missionaries and different people that came over there were, provided clothes for these individuals and helped them. So most of them, they, were, they didn't have clothes. And so by doing that, by building that relationship, it allowed us to have this door to go in to share, share Christ with them. Uh, I share this with these two beautiful young girls. Um, the reality is in that culture, in that caste system, from a certain age, from... You would wake up in the morning and travel at 5 o'clock in the morning, and you may see young, um, young, young kids. I'm talking three, four, five years old, not in school, picking up trash. That's their, that's their job. They pick up trash, and that's why they throw the trash, and it gives, provides the lower caste a job. And so this whole village is that, they're lower caste. And most of the women that are in there, um, even if they're married, are prostitutes. The reality for these two girls here is they're probably going to end up being prostitutes. Almost everyone in this village, the women were, uh, to provide. Uh, here's a house church, that, not a house church, but just a village. They wanted their own little place to go meet out in the middle of nowhere and to have a place to worship their God. Um, just a great move of God was happening in the village. Again, local uh, authorities found out about this, and then this next slide is the reality of what happened four weeks later. And you can move on. And so you're asking, you may say, why did you share that with you? I share that with you because these men and these women, their life is devoted to Christ. Everything they do, say, and think is to please the Lord. They literally, everything they do, when I say just like maybe, no, like everything they do is devoted to the Lord, every aspect of their money, uh, the guy we work with over there before he became a church planter, what he did was devoted over 50% of his salary to go to, towards church planning to support other pastors. He spent his entire vacation time going and sharing the gospel and helping uh, church planters. And so um, I share that with you because we are going to look at 2 Timothy 1, and we're going to talk about unashamed. We're going to talk about the unashamed testimony of Christ, the unashamed testimony of Paul, the unashamed testimony of Timothy. I am uh, very thankful for the time to be here with y'all. Uh, Nathan uh, talked a little bit about our relationship. Your pastor has been such an encouragement to me. Um, him and... and uh, uh. Thomas, yeah, Thomas. I was going to say, what's his last name, Mobley? I was going to say Mobley, I thought, but maybe not. Uh, Thomas, yes, Thomas has been such an encouragement. Uh, you have some great loving pastors that are devoted to you and care for you, and I just want you all to know that they have been such a blessing to me, and they are um, just humble, super humble, and just have a spirit of of, of teachable spirit and just loving and so uh, and shepherding. I just want you all to know you all have some great pastors and um, Y'all should be very thankful for them. Uh, and again, thanks, Nathan, for having me. But we are going to talk about um, this unashamed testimony in 2 Timothy. And I want you to know this morning, I'm preaching to myself. Uh, this text has impacted me immensely this week. Um, the Lord has used it to use several things, just to reveal several things in my life. Uh, since I stepped away from my position, I said, Hey, as the, we're going to really pray what the Lord would have for us next. What would that be? And so we went through this church planning process with North American Mission Board. We're taking things slow. I said, as we do that, I'm going to go through counseling. I've never been to counseling. I just think it would be good. And here, it kind of even feels weird admitting that to you all right now. But I said, you know, I think I'm going to do that. Because if we plan a church or whatever we do in the next stage, I feel like it's very important for us to be the most emotionally and spiritually healthy people we could be. And so we went through this process, and as I've just been realizing in my counseling of what I didn't have and what I did have or the impacts in my culture or my childhood that affected me, uh, I really, really just saw the, how not having a father in my home impacted me immensely. I really had to really scale back and even look at when fear first entered into my life. It was a really weird thing. I, never, I don't know how I can even remember this. When my brother was in a a preschool or in, we in child care and he was getting beat or not taken care of very well. And I had to stand in the way of that when I was like three. And I never really even realized this until it just one day just came all up and I remembered all this. And I say all that to you is just that I'm going to be super transparent with you all. Um, And because of that lack of having that father at home, I even realized my lack of timidness or my timidness in my life, my lack of confidence based on who I was and what Christ had done in me. And then also, I had this really hard time of like really accepting, I accept the grace and I accept the gospel, what Christ truly did, did for me, but then it was also like, how could a father ever love me like that? I've never experienced that. And so I've struggled with these things my whole walk with Christ. I came to know Christ at uh, 22 years old. Radical Saul to Paul was not raised in the church at all. And I've been kind of want, going through this and trying to really figure out. And then this, I'm, as I've studied this text and now, the Lord has just really used it to really just minister to me. And so I hope that he uses it to, to minister to you this morning. Long intro. We're fixing to get in the word. Let's pray. Um, if you would, as I pray for you, would you please pray for me? Lord, today we pray to see those set free from who may be in bondage to fear. Maybe they are like Timothy grew up without a spiritual father in the home, timid, afraid to act, afraid to lead out, overwhelmed or afraid to say yes to what you have for them. And I pray for you, I pray, Father, for the power and I pray, Father, to people to be set free Set people free from bondage that holds them back from where you wish to take them. Touch hearts. I ask for your help to be faithful to your text, to be clear and to be led by the Spirit, and for you to be glorified. And Father, we pray that everything that is said today here would be honor and glorifying unto you. Please move among us, for there is no hope apart from you. In Christ's name, amen. We are going to be in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy verse 1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and self-control, love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, for who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin, Amen. I added that part. And now which has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior through Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day that has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. May the Lord, and we see here in the last part of the text, there was, he says there were some men in Asia who turned away from him. Then he says of Oniferous, who often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change, but he arrived in Rome and he searched for me earnestly and he found me and may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you will know the service that he has rendered to me at Ephesus. So this book of Timothy is is a book of, to this young pastor, to encourage him and to Helping him to remember and to be devoted in his faithfulness, teaching. There's even rebuke and there's correction. But Paul is encouraging Timothy who he is in Christ. Not to fret over his age nor his stature or or bringing up, but solely and simply on his dependence on Christ. And that above all, the calling in which he has been seen and acknowledged by Paul, the church, and the elders. There's this sense that Timothy is struggling and Paul is reminding Timothy To hold fast to the word. To hold fast to the word. And he's telling him that the power is going to come through the word, Timothy. It's not based on you and I, but it's based on what God has done. It's based on the power of the word of God. Paul is reminding him this, and as he's imprisoned in a jail, he's remembering this brother in Christ, this son in Christ, as he calls him, and sends this letter to him to encourage him. Paul is in a jail, and Paul is in this jail. It's not like he is in this jail that is in a precinct or somewhere just down the road, easy to get to. No, he's literally in a hole in the ground, and there's a ventilation for him. And, and Paul is in this, and he's reminding, I need to spur on this Timothy. As I look towards my last days, I need to, to remind Timothy of who he is in Christ. And then you have Onesip- Onesiphorus, if, I, if I'm saying that right, it's a hard name to say, uh, is comes and looks for him, literally is, literally is just making his way through this place to find Paul in this, literally a hole in the ground. And he finds him and he tells Timothy, hey, Oniferous, remind, I'm a, I want you to, to be reminded of what he's done for me. I want you to be reminded that when he comes to you someday, he is a great tool, great asset. So even in this greatest struggles, he's reminded to encourage his brother in faith he reminds him of his calling, he reminds him to fan and flame the gift he has, and so we have to ask ourselves, what is the main point of this text? As I was going through this text, what is the main point? The main point in this text is that, is seen in 2 Timothy 6-10, he says, for the reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, keep feeding this hot flame, this gift that you've been given by the word of God. And Timothy, I'm telling you, brother, that I remember you. He's saying, I remember who you are. I remember that I remember that your grandma and your mother raised you. I remember as I was there and teaching and at the church and how I spent years with you and you came to know Christ and the things that you struggled with. I remember these things. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, I remember when I laid hands on you. I remember when the elders laid hands on you. I remember your tears. He says, I remember you, son. And you may say, well, why are those significant things? Those are significant things. Because here, Timothy is obviously struggling with some timidness. He's struggling with um, some reoccurring things in his life. And Paul knows this. It's not like it's a one-off thing. He literally knows this about him. He spent time with him. He discipled him. He mentored him. He loved him like a father. And so when they departed, you know, a lot of people say, well, they departed and that's why they had tears. I just don't see that in the text. I literally, this man literally spent time with him. You had one of the most influential people in the Bible who wrote the majority of the New Testament laying hands on him and the elders in the church. And there was tears. I've never been to ordination, even my own ordination or any others, where their man didn't cry. And I think that's in the text. That's what Paul is reminding. He's telling him, I remember you and I remember us acknowledging who you are in Christ, acknowledging the gifts that you have, acknowledging that God would have for you. And Timothy, you're going to get unimaginable power by God. And I believe Timothy weeps. Like I said, this text has really hit home for me this week because. And just looking at Timothy's life and these things that he struggled with, as we saw in the first couple passages that he's reminding him of, there were some things that just jumped out to me. There are some things that when it comes to the lack of spiritual father in the home and how this was a reminder that something, he literally wrote a letter to him to remind him of the things that he had in Christ. I want to share some statistics with you and why this is so important. When both, both parents are in a Bible study or in addition to Sunday service, when they attend church or Bible study, 72% of their children will attend Sunday school when they're given. This is done by Lifeway Research. This is not my own stuff in the Barna Research Group. This is what they do. 72% of their children are likely to be in church or to attend Sunday school services in church. When only the father attends Sunday school, 55% of the children attend when grown. When only the mother attends Sunday school, 15% of the children attend when grown. When neither parent attends Sunday school, only 6% of children attend when grown. Another survey found that if a child is the first person in the household to come to Christ, to be a Christian, there's a 3.5% Probability that everyone else in the the household will follow. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability that they will become, the household will will follow. Catch this. But when the father is the first, there is a 93% probability that everyone in the household will follow. 93%. I did a lot more statistics, looking and learning about the implications and the things seen from the father in the home, and it's it's drastic when it comes to um, a woman and how it affects her not having a woman a man in the home of sexual promiscuity and and all that it really it leads really heavy on that um, addictions drugs incarcerations all that goes through the roof it's in the 80s percent almost ninety percent that they didn't have a father in the home. I think it said 98%, it was like 96 or 98% of men in prison didn't have a father in the home. The poverty rate of like 60% to 70% lived in more impoverished circumstances than didn't have a father in the home because of addictions and so forth. And so I asked God, I said, God, what would you have me to, to understand about this? And he says to Feed the flame, the gift of God that's in you. You are to have this unashamed testimony openly of Christ and to suffer for the gospel. Feed yourself by the word. This is the burden of his entire book to Timothy. And I pray that this morning that that would be the burden for our hearts and that it would prick our hearts that you have been gifted. God, God, You have an unashamed testimony. God wants to do things in and of you that you don't even imagine and can truly fathom right now. So I ask God, God, what would you take away? What would we take away from this? And I ask myself, what am I timid about in my life? Is my testimony unashamed? Unashamed suffering? Am I willing to suffer? Do I love unashamed? Unashamed? Am I always worried about what people think? Am I lukewarm? Hot? Cold? And am I feeding myself? Are we feeding ourselves? The Bible tells us that we cannot live by bread alone. That we have to literally live by the word of God. We have to have the word of God. He says in the text that Oniforus, if he often refreshed me, was not ashamed of my t- chains. And I want to explain to you why I believe this is the main point. And then 2 Timothy 2.3 says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2:9, 2, for which I am suffering bound with the chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. 2.10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that is also. May attain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly, di- di- rightly handling the word of truth. 2.24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. 3.1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. 10-12, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconum, and Lystra, were p- which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Four, five, as you for always be sober-minded, Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Verse six through seven. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and a time of departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Four sixteen. 16. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. End of book except the Lord. It's the point of the book. It's what Paul wanted to see. It's what Timothy and it's what we need to see today. The reality is if you're in ministry for an easy, comfortable life, then get out, quit now. And you say, well, that's the pastor or that's the person being paid to plant a church. No, you have a ministry in your life. The Lord has placed people in your life and there's a, a gifting upon your life. Yes, there is pastoral ordained ministry that is different, but if it's not I'm all in, I would question that. There's not this fence riding faith seen in the Bible. It's hot or cold. The other, he says, I'll spoo you out. Ministry is hard. Living for Christ is hard. Coming to know Christ and saying your life is going to be easier, I know people preach that, but that's just not seen in the Bible. It's that of sacrifice. It's of suffering. It's of heartache. And that's okay. That's Okay. If it happened to Christ, it could happen to us. Those men that I share with you, it happens to them. The greatest movement of God is happening in areas with the most persecution. There's a book written by Nip Ripkin. I require everybody to read it before they go overseas. They have to, to help understand the cultural differences, but also to understand the things they're going to see. You're going to literally walk and feel like you're walking in the feet of the apostles when you go to these places. Literally, one place we went to, in the middle of nowhere, this woman comes running down the side of this mountain to us, crying and begging out because we saw Americans. She literally was praying for someone to come and to share Christ with her family and with her husband. Literally praying for it, been weeping over it, and then here we come. What? This woman was so excited to see us. Her whole family gave their life to Christ that day. So in this book, Nick Ripkin, at the end of the book, he so what he does is he travels around. All these amazing things happen, and at the end of the book, he spends time in China. He goes with these people and spends time in China, and he's working with them and these pastors, and he's trying to teach them and stuff. And they're like, "Hey, uh, where have you done prison time at?" And he goes, "I haven't." They didn't even want to listen to him. They said, "Yeah, you may have seminary degree, a seminary degree, but our seminary." Is prison. That's when you learn what you're made of. When you're beaten for your faith every day, the word's taken from you, and we have to write it on the walls, we have to sing it in our hearts to remember the things of God. He goes, that's our seminary. And he says, man, I'm just, I would, I'm just amazed by, I'm just amazed by what's taking place in y'all's community and your life, with, even with this persecution. And he says, man, only if the Americans could truly could grasp that there would be such a difference. And the man says to him, do not give up in freedom what we don't give up in persecution. Folks, we are blessed. We have the word of God. We have a means, an ability that surpasses the rest of the world. You're not alone. God wants to use you and use you in a mighty way and as I think about Timothy and I think about Paul and the singleness in ministry or singleness in the church, I just want to let the singles know, just speak to you real quick, that you're not alone in ministry and you're not alone in the church. Single man, woman. Marry a woman, who is, or, marry a woman or a man who is radically devoted unto the Lord. Marry someone who is devoted and to love and serve each other and serve the Lord with a whole heart. Today, it seems like there are more women seeking this than men nowadays. And men, we need to step up. Just know there is a partner out there and a the partner that wants to be with you. Be patient, be watchful, be prayerful. And to the married, husband, lead your wives. Love them like no tomorrow. Exude Christ. It's our jobs to set the example. We quite often ride on the coattails of mama's faithfulness. You know I'm a pastor, been a pastor for coming up on 14 years and a husband and I can say there's been times in my life where I wrote on mama's faithfulness and praise God that I had that woman of God that was in the word and prayer and to be that helpmate and encourager and steadfastness in my life when I needed it the most. The road of ministry is hard, it's long and there will be suffering but remember, sometimes your most impactful ministry will be birthed out of your greatest pain. So how do we feed this flame that he's talking about? We feed it by the power of the word. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.1, that's the power of 2 Timothy 1.8. I get the power from the grace of God. Paul wrote his letters that started with grace, peace. In his, la- in his letters to pastors, I just noticed this this week, but in Timothy, and Titus, when he's writing to pastors, he says, grace, peace, and mercy. You're gonna need this extra Measure of grace. I am coming to you with grace, mercy, and peace of the word. We feed the flame. Timothy, feed the flame by the word. Hold fast to the central truth that is grace, which, means, which is your means and your power, which will be the means of your courage, and you will suffer well. Grace harbor your churches, your pastors, bear things, pray things, know things, and guard things that the average person doesn't carry, and their wives carry just as much. Pray for them, love them, support them, cherish them. They look after your soul. When we read Timothy, I was taking away, what are the hangers in the text? What are the things that are just there? It's not of my will, but of the will of God. Paul says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Garden of Gethsemane, he's saying, not of my will, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Paul's saying the same thing. He's saying here, "Remember Timothy. Remember." Paul's reflecting on his missionary j- journeys, as he was traveling, when he first met Paul's family, when he first met or he first met Timothy's family, and he first met Timothy, he's telling him to remember what God did in his life, to remember those stones of faith, to remember what God did in his life, to remember the grace, the mercy and the peace. This was also seen by the Israelites when they were remembering what God did for them. By placing stones of remembrance. Remember God's hand upon your life and the stones of remembrance. Remember what depths of mercy and grace you have been saved by. And remember what you were saved from and called to. With that comes entrustment. We've been entrusted. The elders were laying on hands the ordination of the gospel ministry that Timothy and Paul were given. He's saying because of that, don't be Don't be afraid. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And we are called. We are called to embrace suffering for the gospel by the power of God, not by our strength, not by our own work, but because of God, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin. He says to hold the sound doctrine by following the pattern of sound words from Paul and faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit, guard the good deposit that has been trusted to you. People will fail you. Paul has been deserted and let down by others. It's been believed that they even may have been preaching a a different truth. And these two individuals left Paul after his arrest. And throughout the book of 1 Timothy, this is seen. Paul's courage, Paul's power, Paul's suffering was the means of grace fed by the word. Timothy's courage, Timothy's power, Timothy's suffering was the means of grace fed by the word. Christ's courage, Christ's power, Christ's suffering was the means of grace fed by the word. Christ lived unashamed, Paul lived unashamed, Timothy lived unashamed. This was the life of Paul, Timothy, and Christ, and this should be our lives as well. Grace Harbor, you have been called, you have been gifted, you have been entrusted. So fan into flame the gift of God. People will fail you, you will fail you. But you are able to endure by holding fast to God's word and his promise. You are able to be unashamed of who you once were because of Christ, because of grace, because of the power of the word of God, you are able to suffer and to hold fast to the testimony of the Lord. You have been called, equipped, and trusted so fan into flame the gift of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live unashamed, endure, hold fast, Suffer if suffering comes. Be ready to give an account for Christ. Be ready in season and out of season. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hold fast to what you've heard in the presence of many witnesses and entrust to faithful men so they'll be able to teach others also. Be a Paul, have a Paul, be a Timothy and have a Timothy. Be a disciple and be a disciple maker. Grace Grace Harbor. Hold the sound doctrine, embrace his grace, courage, and power, and fan into flame the gift of God. Live unashamed, live redeemed, live by his means, and remember where you were saved from and called to. Remember the gospel came to you to go to someone else. The gospel came to Timothy to go to someone else. The gospel came to Paul to go to someone else. It is no different with you. May God bless you and bestow mercy, grace, and peace upon you. You have been called, you have been gifted, you have been entrusted. So fan into flame the gift of God. Remember what God has done in and through you. Remember where God has brought you from and where he's taken you. Never lose sight of that. Hold fast to the word. Hold fast to prayer. Cling to the things of God and see what he may do in and among you. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just thank you for this day. I thank you for this pastors. I thank you for this church. I thank you, Father, for um, the men and women that Father just love you and serve you. Uh, Father God, we uh, we know that your word is powerful. We know that your word is is Father where all things come from. And Father, I pray that if maybe there's one here today, Father, uh, that's questioning the things of faith, or Father is examining their lives and looking at maybe there's some things in my life that I need to let go of that's holding me back for where God would really take me. Uh, Father, I pray that that would be laid down before you today and that those people would unashamedly come and explore those things. In Christ's name, amen.